1: Hi everyone, and welcome to Barron's Live, our daily webcast and podcast. I'm Alex Yule, deputy editor of Barron's. Thanks for joining us today for our update on tech stocks. I'm joined by my colleague, Tay Kim, who covers tech for us, often with a focus on the very hot world of semiconductors, along with video games, social media, and other areas. So since we last spoke on our tech call, tech stocks are now back to being under pressure, largely because of the renewed concerns about rising rates which has a tendency to hurt growth stocks, much in the same way we saw in 2022. Since early February, the NASDAQ is now off 5%. So with with that in mind, welcome, Tay. And um, let's start with the big picture. Um, What's your sense on the broader direction for tech stocks right now?
0: Good to be here, Alex. So when I look at tech stocks, there's usually two components. We have the multiple the valuation multiple which is really dependent on what the fed and what the market thinks about what the rates are going to do in the future and then earnings estimates earnings outlook so we just came out of a fourth quarter earnings and at least in the areas i cover it seems like the earnings estimates going forward are going to get a lot worse but we had this big rally from like late december to january and much of that was due to Uh, The Fed kind of changing the second derivative. We went from like a 50 basis point, 50 basis point Fed rate hike cycle down to 25 basis points. They kind of downshifted because uh, Jerome Powell kept on talking about disinflation. They were saying disinflation. It was almost kind of like a mission accomplished. Um, They saw like the the prices of physical goods coming down. But now over the last week or so, we've seen hotter than expected uh, inflation data. And it seems like the sentiment from the Fed has kind of shifted back up that they might have to do more than expected. So, the, I mean, tech is so focused on earnings and then the valuation multiple, which is affected by what the market expects the Fed to do. And it just seems like the downshift might go back to an upshift. And if we do keep racing for longer, and if we do 50 basis points instead of 25 basis points, at least on the valuation multiple side, it, it seems like pretty problematic.
1: Right. And I guess, is it right to to sort of say that in 2022 most of the losses we saw for tech were were valuation focused right it's not like the earnings numbers had come down that much so if we now get both the lower valuation because of renewed pressure on rates or higher pressure on rates plus now as you say earnings the e comes down it's sort of doubly problematic right exactly and um
0: so far like i going i went through all the earnings reports um Cloud is decelerating, growth is fading, and the, and the chip stocks, even though they they've kind of bounced, I think primarily due to the Fed, and we'll talk about this generative AI uh, narrative that's out there. Uh, if earnings don't come back, because um, earnings outlooks really have come down and or get, have gotten worse, yeah, uh, that's like you said, it's a double whammy on the downside.
1: Right. Okay. And so uh, it's, it's a difference from, from 2022 in that way. I mean, when we know what the NASDAQ lost, I think 30, about 30 percent. So um, maybe some of this is still priced in, but um, it remains to be seen how high rates are going. Right. And so um, I guess uh, I guess tomorrow becomes a very critical day when we get uh, when we get the next um, the February jobs report.
0: I mean, I'm not a macro expert in any way, but the jobs report is important the CPI number is very important. And the Fed is really looking at, because we all know like the price of physical goods have come down, but it seems like the services area, travel, entertainment, restaurants are really taking off. Right. So the Fed is really looking at the, the CPI number for services in the service area. And uh, that should be a big focus for investors going forward.
1: Right. Okay. So it's going to be fascinating to see both what the well, I'll be fascinated to obviously get the actual jobs number tomorrow and then to see how, because I'm not even sure I know, you could tell me the number um, for jobs, but I'm not exactly sure how stocks will respond to it uh, anyway, presumably if if it's, uh, if the jobs come in well above the estimates, which I think is now 225,000 know, the initial reaction would be for stocks to fall because of worries about uh, the tight labor market. But but who knows where we end the day? It, it'll be not,
0: not to put you know too much emphasis on jobs number because a lot of that like they always say it's a backwards looking. Yeah, I think if investors want a more real time look on the economy, it's a jobless games number that comes out each every uh, every Thursday morning. So the one today, it, it's been very very hot in terms of like strong jobs
1: yeah which low means the, job. Low frame, right,
0: the funny yeah. thing is this morning for the first time in like 10 weeks it was kind of worse than expected and the the market kind of bounced immediately after that number and it seems to be like rolled over now right um, but right. So, keep, yeah. keep an eye on the jobless games numbers is, is today and what uh what's this morning a one-off or is it going to stay strong because the services uh industries are doing well. We'll we'll see. Every week, you get a real-time look on what's going on.
1: Absolutely. And just one more macro note to continue this. I mean, I think the problem, too, tomorrow with the jobs report is while the inflation watchers want to see the jobs number come in as low as possible, the recession watchers, when that happens, then the recession watchers sort of uh, bubble up and start to worry about the economy. So it's almost a no-win. It's a bit of a no-win situation tomorrow.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think like valuations, even though the market fell a lot last year, like the valuations are still high historically. Yeah, and if you know, I, I kind of laughed at the the big bounce in the futures we had off the jobless games coming in worse. Like if if we do have a recession, um, that that could mean earnings will come down. So right. it's like right. there's like two things that can happen, and both <laughs> things are bad.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, okay. On that note, um, let's dive into sort of some of the uh, the, the news that's uh, that's been keeping us busy in the tech world. Uh, so while we're largely through earnings, um, we'll get a couple more today. Uh, Oracle is the notable headliner after, after the close. And then also uh, DocuSign. Uh, but for the most part, earnings are gone. We're still being, you know, we're, there's still plenty to write about though. And, and TikTok has been one uh, news event that's really kept us busy you've written about it some this week. Um, the company really seems to be in the crosshairs once again, and we're we're getting even more, it seems, momentum towards a potential ban of TikTok in the US. It's almost, you know, it's kind of crazy to even say that because it's just, well, maybe I'll, I'll ask you, are we really going to ban TikTok? Could that really happen in this country? I,
0: I think it might actually happen this time. I mean, it, it's almost like groundhog day we we went through this whole thing uh, with Trump back in 2020 we had this like months upon months like news after news and then nothing really happened almost Trump like kind of yeah like it was like a shiny object for a while and then his attention span went elsewhere but now it it just seems the only thing that politicians agree on, on on the left and right is who can act the toughest against China how yep. we can stick it against China and this rising anti-China sentiment. Like TikTok is the most visible, most visible uh, Chinese company that everyone knows about, and it just seems politically uh, we're, we're seeing it through the bills in Congress. All these we'll talk about the the Restrict Act, which, which, which was introduced this week. It just seems like there's just growing momentum. Like politically, everyone wants to do something to act strong against China, and TikTok is in the crosshairs.
1: And so, backing up from the the political argument, which makes you know I think makes a lot of sense, that you said, TikTok has just become kind of the the, the proxy for it all. Um, what is the argument that we're hearing now? Uh, the you know the real argument for trying to to ban TikTok right now, um, and, and maybe just give a quick backgrounder on why TikTok is so uh, has become so popular in the U.S. How popular is it here, by the way? Um, it's extremely popular. Uh, the the last number of TikTok t-
0: told people and and barons is a uh, 100 million Americans use it. So it, that's nearly one in 3 Americans use use the app. And it's great because it's probably the most impressive piece of technology in terms of recommending uh content. Like it has the best algorithms in kind of laser targeting to your to your interests. So when I open the app, almost like 75-80% of videos I see are just like pieces of content that are entertaining to me or laser targeted at tech and basketball videos. And everything I see on there is like extremely uh, entertaining. So it, it really has the best technology in terms of content discovery and uh, servicing re- relevant content. And people love it. It's like it's probably the best kind of social media innovation in the last few years.
1: And, and hey, just to clarify, like, um it's very much unlike what Facebook became in terms of a delivery vehicle for news, right? And debate, and that's not happening on TikTok, right?
0: Yeah, you don't really follow anyone. Like the the algorithm sees how long, you swipe through the videos with your finger, and if it shows you a basketball figure and your uh, video, and you're not interested in it, you might swipe it up really quickly. And so it measures perfectly, you know, how much this content, this topic, Matches your interests. Okay, so okay. it just—it's just better than anything out there.
1: Okay, got uh, it. So, so you take that though, and for some people, that—that's the problem, right? Because theoretically, that algorithm is being created by a Chinese-based company.
0: Yes, it's—it's it's programmed that China. Um, a, a, it's a company called ByteDance, which owns TikTok, and they—they're they, the ones that program this algorithm. So, so that is the fear. So, this restrict act was introduced by Senator Warner, and Senator Thune. And Warren, Senator Warner said, "The thing that he's worried about is perhaps the Chinese government can turn the screws on ByteDance, and they could manipulate the algorithm and propagate political messages to affect, you know, uh, Americans and what they consume in terms of content and messaging."
1: Okay, got it. And and that is winning. That seems to be winning the day. That argument, right? I mean, as you know, as you pointed out. Very quickly after that bill was officially introduced this week, the White House signed on, right? Yes.
0: So the, the thing, we've had these TikTok ban bills introduced before, and usually it's from the Republican side and they make a big fuss at it. But this act that was introduced, this bill that was introduced on Tuesday had the bipartisan support of like Senator Collins, Manchin, uh, Mitt Romney. It, it's it was. A, really across the entire political spectrum, and then when the Biden administration went public and supported it, it just seems
1: like the chances of this bill becoming law is is pretty high. Got it. And and then I think the bill itself wouldn't be an immediate ban, right? It, it, there's, a, there's a mechanism by which the Commerce Department then looks at it, right?
0: Yes. So it, it puts up a system where the Commerce Dep- Department systematically can look at it, but it gives kind of new authority, more explicit authority for the
1: commerce department to block or ban apps like TikTok? You can imagine the, the politics of this going forward. I mean, I, I would assume if this passes, I guess we'll find out like how quickly the ban would come. You, you could, you could see a scenario where, you know, the White House puts in place sort of like a year long study if they don't really want to immediately do, ban it. Um, but it just, it's going to be fascinating to watch. Um, You, though, so you have other thoughts. Tell us what you think, like, just, you know, having done, having covered this space, having been a user of it, um, you think this is troubling, right?
0: Yeah, I I think it's almost, it would be terrible precedent to kind of ban something, just because it's politically popular to to strike back at a country. I mean, we're kind of a nation of laws, and the US economy is the envy of the world because we have these core tenets of free markets and robust legal frameworks and this great free market capitalism. So to arbitrarily shut down the app without any real compelling evidence that you know there's some illegal behavior going on just seems like not the thing to do. And there's just a lot of unintended costs. First of all, like millions of people will lose the app that they find entertaining, we lose the innovation. Um, you know a lot of influencers and small businesses use the app so they'll 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 have collateral damage for their livelihoods yeah but it just it just starts off around the things i mean other countries will look at this as being unfair perhaps they they will start banning uh us-based apps and i i think it's just very risky unless you know of course if there are explicit national security um issues in terms of evidence like fine that's great, but I think we really need to have actual facts and evidence that show this. And the problem here is like China might retaliate. I mean, nearly everything that that's made in the, that we use in terms of physical goods is made in China. And a lot of American companies uh, like Apple have like 20% of uh, their revenue coming from China. So if we say, oh, let's ban TikTok. Because they could potentially, you know, manipulate messages or, um, you know, have a surveillance and look at user data of Americans. China could say the same thing about Apple and iPhones in China. So it just opens a Pandora's box that could get out of control.
1: Absolutely, and um, it's important to note, by the way, that there are uh, there are beneficiaries of uh, of a potential TikTok ban, right? And we've seen the stock market. Pick up on that in recent weeks, um, you know, and that's another bit of consequence, right? I mean, plenty people, plenty of people in Congress also want to regulate Facebook, Meta's Facebook, and in fact, this ban would newly would sort of embolden Meta, right?
0: Yes. So, so one probably the biggest bear case against Meta, which owns Instagram and Facebook and WhatsApp. Was the rise of TikTok and yeah. TikTok is gaining a lot of attention share. Like I think the average user uses over over an hour a day. So the, the stock market in Wall Street kind of took off a lot of the growth and potential uh, growth potential for Facebook and Instagram. And obviously, if TikTok disappears from the US market, then Instagram, which has their competitive reels service, which is pretty much the same thing as TikTok. And snap uh, will both do really well. So the funny thing is, as these bills have gotten a lot more press and, you know, investors are seeing, oh my gosh, this TikTok ban might actually happen. um, Both snap and Meta stock has, has soundly outperformed the market so far this month over the last week.
1: Yeah, not, not a coincidence, not at all. Okay. All right. And then lastly, on this topic, do you think there is a way to potentially, you know, solve for some of these issues? short of a ban, right? And you wrote about that this week. Just give us a quick, a quick, uh, uh, catch so, up on that.
0: So a, a direct ban would kind of like destroy TikTok, destroy a lot of business value. There are a lot actually American venture capital investors and fund investors that invest in ByteDance. Yeah. Um, so I, I think one way, a good compromise is for ByteDance to spin off TikTok as an American company or sell off the US-based operations for TikTok to another company like Microsoft, which actually... Was in the works uh, back in 2020 when Trump was all over this, and that would, you know, help us, uh, you know, protect and have oversight over the national security stuff with the American ownership or management, and um, it's just, and and then it will also compensate dance and all uh, all the investors that took a risk uh, for their innovation. So I, I think that's a kind of a good compromise solution, and hopefully that will happen.
1: Okay. Yeah. No. That will. Um you know, that would, that would be the, the, the market response for sure. And we'll see if it uh, how it plays out. Um, okay, so let's move on to another area that continues to get a ton of attention for anyone that's read your uh, weekly newsletter, which I would put a plug in for, uh, people should sign up for the Barron's Tech newsletter, that comes out every Wednesday, it's a, it's a really great read, um, where you've written a, a decent bit about ChatGPT and AI. So tell us, so you've been outspoken on this front. Um, it, we continue to, it continues to get a lot of attention um, among venture capitalists, among Wall Street analysts, uh, seeing like 100-page reports, 200-page reports on, on the topic, um, trying to figure out what's next for AI. So you tell us um, how real right now is, is AI and then within AI, the, this obsession around chat, chat and chat GPT.
0: So I, I'm pretty sure everyone in the audience knows what chat GPT is and um wall street chip companies tech companies are all over this um while like with all the fundamentals kind of going south and growth slowing like they've really latched on to this narrative that that chat gpt and this thing called generative ai is going to you know be the next big thing that's going to establish growth uh, bank of america analysts said it could add tens of billions of dollars of market size for chip companies in, in a few years so so there's a lot of hype and hysteria over it. But I've been pretty skeptical on it. And the reason is what ChatGPT and Microsoft with their Bing BI open AI powered uh, Bing AI chatbot, like it's like they proclaim like these these things can do X, Y, and Z, that they could summarize documents or give you a travel plan. But like when you actually look at the answers, it doesn't do what it says, and that's the amazing thing. Is like if you use these things, it's it looks great, but when you actually check and the accuracy of these answers, it's filled with errors. Yeah, and right. and I I don't think that there's an easy fix behind it because the it's a structural problem with the with the technology, because what this generative AI technology does is it. Sucks up all the text on the internet, Twitter, you yeah. know Reddit, all the web pages, and basically it's almost like a statistical auto complete where yeah. it just scrapes all the information and just spits out what it read before. There's like no real intelligence or thinking behind it. it just kind of regurgitate what's on the internet, and as we all know, a lot of the stuff on the internet isn't true,
1: right. Right. And I think, you know, someone the pushback to that would be, well, but it's still early days and well, okay, but now we're so much further along than we were just a couple of years ago. I guess, you know, my view on that is often what undermines these AI type efforts. And we've seen it in self-driving as well Is you know, those those details which people think are are um, just a small part of the equation are actually the entire equation. And so, like you said, getting the actual answer right at the end of the day is the most important thing and if it can't do that it's not like that's a that's not an easy detail to solve for yeah i mean it's just it blows my mind
0: like microsoft had this bing ai chatbot event in early february february 7th they invited 70 journalists in person they said bing ai could summarize financial documents and they did the demo and then a few days later people realized that you know the summaries of the financial documents were filled with errors and the bing ai was making up numbers and putting it into the answers like you you can't say you can summarize financial documents and you could depend on this for your job and then actually have your cherry pick demo show off bad answers and factual errors like it just i I, it just blows my mind that we just came out of this cycle of web 3 nft crypto the enterprise metaverse and when you say you have when you make claims about your technology, like the technology should actually do what you claim it should do. Yeah. It, yeah. And, and cells, right? Microsoft yeah. went on 60 Minutes last Sunday, last Sunday, and they did a demo, and Bing AI made up facts again that weren't true.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, it
0: just keeps fabricating information. So the way this technology works is it, it tries to put out something that sounds plausible. So it confidently puts out information that sounds confidently accurate. But then when you look at it, it's re- literally fabricating answers.
1: I think they like to call it, the term in the AI world has become hallucinations, right? Yes. So I just,
0: it, it, it's a structural problem with the technology because it's not because that the, the chat by AI is um, actually thinking. It's just using pattern recognition to fill out Words that sound like they can be accurate, like right. it's, it acts smart, but it's actually not smart.
1: <laughs> right, right. And we all know people in our lives who you know who sound really smart and uh, and and aren't and, and really aren't at the end of the day, right? And that's sort of AI yes. become kind of a the BS artist of, of the world.
0: And, and it's even for basic. Like I asked, I asked it like, um, what are the big games that come out this year? And it literally made up release dates these games and i'm just like how can
1: you do that like
0: like just say you can't figure it out but it doesn't do that because the way it's programmed it has to confidently present something that sounds
1: plausible all right well i appreciate your uh you you're not uh you've been pretty clear on this so i think and it offers a really good viewpoint for people to think about um, the next time they see uh ai announcements and, and and any ai related um moves in the stock market. It's, uh, it is important to remember the details. So, um, all right, let's go on to talk about another area that you follow closely, have written about, which is the semiconductor world. Um, You've written in the last week or two on sort of, we, we got this big, the CHIPS Act that passed Congress last year. And the, the, the recent developments have been that the Biden administration has said, okay, we have this—I think—$50 billion in funding to help restart the chips um, capacity building in America. Here's how we're going to do it. Right? That's the newest. Uh, that's the newest development there. So, so what have we learned, and and um, how is this uh, is this going to work? So, I
0: think we need more. I mean. I think there needs to be more money overall. Like $50 billion sounds like a big number, but it's like less than half of what like the market leader TSMC does in terms of capex. So $50 in billion in over 5 years year. in any one yes. year, right? Okay. Yes. So um yes, it's going to help and we need to do this. The, the 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 issue with this week is the Biden administration opened up the application process and they kind of laid out what Chip companies needed to do to get get this money directed at them, and the big criticism this week was like the the money seemed to be advancing social policy. There are all these strings attached, where you had to use union workers and investing minority owned businesses, and even provide child care. So it just seems like a lot of extra things that weren't part of the original uh, thought process behind the legislation, which is really important because um, 90% of the advanced chips in the world are made in Taiwan, and that that really is, ha, it is becoming a geopolitical uh,
1: hotspot. Right. Forget, uh, forget, what,
0: forget, TikTok, for t-
1: forget TikTok, right? The national security issue right now is that we don't make our own chips.
0: Yes, and if China... Dis- I mean, if as our relationship with China is deteriorating and China all along has said, someday Taiwan is gonna be under their under their government. Um, it, it's a big problem. Like China might actually move on Taiwan within a few years. And that would be a disastrous for the global economy and the American economy. I mean, all these chips that we need, these advanced chips that are made in Taiwan, more than 90%, as we said, um, they're needed for cloud computing servers that run all businesses in the United States now. Um, they're in all all our military defense systems. They're in our dishwashers. They're like these are chips that we need to for modern life.
1: Yeah, so, not to mention our smartphones.
0: Yes. Like every iPhone, uh, the main processor is made in uh,
1: Taiwan. Right. Okay, so you um, so they've attached so basically these social policies got attached to the to the implementation of the funding there's potentially some problems there. You also laid out another kind of inconsistency um, that you think that the Biden administration should find a way to fix, right?
0: Yeah, so they they said, please give us your share buyback uh, plans and we'll consider that as we dole out this money in terms of application process. And And what I said was, well, these companies, if you're asking for billions upon billions of dollars, they shouldn't be um issuing dividends and doing major stock buybacks like if you really need all this money um we should be using any kind of money uh for r d and capex uh, capital expenditures in building these fabs and intel intel is probably the biggest uh recipient of these funds you know over the next year it is going to be and they made a big step uh last month when they cut their dividend by about two-thirds it's going to save them four billion dollars a year uh to use for more fat fat building and more technology r d but like i just feel like if you're going to take tens of billions of dollars of american taxpayer money uh, as we know money is fungible um none of that should be going into shareholder pockets uh, through dividends and stock buybacks
1: I mean, it certainly, certainly seems reasonable to me. Um, Of course we know how much investors love, love dividends and maybe love buybacks even more. So it'll be interesting to watch how, how that plays out. Um, But, uh, but as of now, uh, technically you could receive this money from the government, from the federal government and continue to buy back your own stock. Yes. Right.
0: And, um, And, and do dividends as well.
1: Okay, so we'll, we'll watch to see whether that, uh, whether, that, whether that builds. There's, of course, separate efforts of elsewhere in Congress to, to, to push back on buybacks, right? And maybe these two issues will come together. It'll be interesting to watch. Um, okay, let's ask, we have a few questions. Um, one, uh, Christopher asks, um, if first and second quarter chip makers meet expectations with their earnings, what would that then mean for valuations assuming that the fed funds rate um it, it is still you know heading higher and and causes a pullback in valuation. so if earnings are actually okay but rates keep rising what happens to chip maker stocks
0: i think that would be negative i think a lot of the chip stocks right now have very elevated valuations um uh, nvidia amd uh, even intel which has been the worst performer uh, is like Intel and Nvidia are trading at like 50 times earnings. So I think for stocks to maintain their levels, just on the earnings uh, thing alone, they have to start beating uh, earnings expectations in size, like big upside. Beating, so right. so meeting yes. expectations is not
1: enough at this point. No,
0: so they have to really start beating expectations by significant margins to maintain their stock prices. And like we said, if if the Fed funds rate um, that derivative, second derivative starts going to a 50 basis
1: points level and instead of 25%, that's also negative as well. Got it. Okay. All right. So, uh, and then the chip, so we're what now we're almost, uh, we're another two months out from, uh, from chip earnings at this point, or I guess they're spread across earnings season, right?
0: Yeah. Usually it's, it will be July.
1: Okay. Okay. But actually um, we're April, right? So yeah. Yeah. We'll be able. yeah okay so we are it, it feels like it's always earning season but bottom line is we're not that yeah. far uh,
0: it feels like we just came out of earning season <laughs> <laughs> i know it seems we're, like we're uh, we're actually only a month or two away from
1: earnings we're basically in earning season half the time is all what it time. comes down to okay um all right and then peter has a question um and says with a with a likely recession more in the picture um isn't this the wrong time to be investing in growth tech stock type stocks and tech stocks at all and you know what sectors may you be looking at um any thoughts there
0: so uh, like, like we just said it, it is negative for growth tech stocks especially but once um, as we enter a recession then the fed starts reacting and the the rate hike cycle turns to a rate cut cycle that's when you could be uh more aggressive uh, in terms of looking at stocks to buy and as we know as rates come down that usually helps the economy at you know 6 to 12 months later so i think what to look for like right now we're still in the rate height cycle and earnings outlooks are coming down but when you know the fed starts cutting is when you should actually think about buying growth tech stocks because that's going to help the multiple and usually you get the double positive whammy of uh, the economy improving uh, after the rate hu- cuts and uh, the multiples getting better
1: okay okay um, good answer and then uh lee has a question and i think he you know he's gonna put you on the spot a little bit here but um do you see a good investment lee asks tech wise today stock wise in the chip sector
0: so it's not in the chip sector but i'm gonna sidestep it a little bit because sony Uh, is a consumer electronics company and they make a lot of chips in terms of camera chips. But Sony is actually doing well because of the PlayStation 5 and uh, that video game console, which we've written about uh, several times over the last uh, six to eight months. um, They are just firing all cylinders. Uh, The December quarter PlayStation 5 sales were up around 80% year over year. And it looks like the March quarter is going to be even better. Like the uh, early data we're getting is up like 100 to 300%. Like where in the market do you see 100 to 300% growth? Yeah. Uh, nowhere. Like the PS5 uh, is just on fire right now. And I think Sony is probably the company that's kind of ha- has the best accelerating growth. And it's a tech company and they make chips and they right. make the Sony PS5. And, and it's all based on really strong video game sales because they're making these great games and, and gaining market
1: share. Good, okay, I'm glad we got to that. And for Sony, um, well, it's, uh, it's a Jap- Japanese company. There is an ADR in the, in, in the US, correct?
0: Yes, and it, it doesn't really have a high valuation either. So their most important business is the video game business which is accelerating even like with triple digit growth and it's the PE's and the teens. So it,
1: it's a very reasonable uh, stock with great growth. Okay, all right, well, good good idea. And um, I think we should end it there because we're basically out of time. So Tay, thank you so much for joining us. Um, and thanks to our audience for joining us. Uh, I wanna remind you, please join us again tomorrow. Ashley Woods, the head of philanthropy at Ascent Private Capital Management is going to be speaking with uh, our colleague and PENTA senior writer, Abby Schultz, about how to plan ahead for effective giving and even responding to disasters. So thanks again, everyone, for listening. Uh, And stay well and have a good day. The energy transition is a long
0: and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com.